new school year, but make it affordable. With Target, you can get everything you need for back to school without wasting time, money, or style. Deck out your room with colorful $5 bins, aesthetically pleasing $20 coffee makers, and cozy sheet sets for $9.50, and all the tech you need to succeed. Then get to planning those back-to-school looks with $5 wild fable tops and new parachute pants. Yeah, those are back now, too. Here's to a great school year. Shop back to college at Target. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey everybody, welcome back. And we have an incredible show. We say that all the time, but this one's really good. I mean, we have two entrepreneurs exit stories uh, and they are definitely uh, ones to listen to, right, Jessica? Yeah, and I think this is fun. We we talk a lot about about how to buy a business, how to sell a business, but we we don't actually hear from this the sellers or the buyers themselves a lot. So there's a lot of information to glean from these two interviews, and and really to hear personal experiences of, of how the business sale affected their lives. So I talked to Will Moore. Um, Will is with, he's now with More Momentum, but he founded one of the original food delivery services. So we think like Uber, Postmates, all that now is like just a part of our lives, right? But um, this is back in 2008 before that was even a concept. So I'll let him tell the story and I won't spoil who the buyer is because he's a pretty famous buyer, but it's it's a great story starting, you know, the, the typical starting in your garage or I think it was his partner's guest bedroom, right? Um, and growing and building it over the years and eventually able to exit. It's a great story. And I have an equally great story from Jennifer Diaz, who we just sold her auto body business. But that is like just the tip of the iceberg of her incredible story as an entrepreneur starting at the age of like 18 and 19 years old, uh, to now. And the, the kicker is why she got out of business, which is a, a, another great story, but you have to listen. Uh, and, and this is the kind of thing we want to tell these stories more because even what's going on in the world today, uh, we want to give people more opportunity to be able to be successful and give those people economic opportunity all across the board, diverse uh, communities. We want to get into more communities and show people of all kinds of backgrounds and races and, and ethnicities. We want to give them the opportunity to understand and how people got into business. Yeah. And it's something, and we talk about this all the time. It's something people don't talk a, a lot about is the opportunity to buy a business uh, and grow it and sell it and really change your life and your family's lives. And I think hearing it from a colleague or somebody that's been in your shoes before is, is sometimes better than honestly, like us just 
telling you how it works and, and the mechanics of everything. So like Andy said, we want to feature these stories more. Um, if you have a story and you'd love to tell it, we would love to have you on the show. You can find us at the dealboardpodcast.com, but look for more of these types of episodes in the future. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back, everybody. And today, as we've talked about, Andy and I are interviewing some incredible entrepreneurs that have been able to build a business, grow a business, and eventually exit that business. So today, you get to hear the story from somebody that is just like you, that has sat in your shoes and been through this process before. And with me... I have Will Moore. He was the founding board member of Doorstep Delivery. He's gone on to do a lot of other amazing things that we're going to talk about today too. And now he is also the founder of More Momentum. Um, Doorstep Delivery was one of the largest and most successful restaurant delivery services in the Southeast. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, Will, thank you for joining the deal board and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Truly a pleasure to be on here. Thank you, Jessica. Awesome. So before we jump into your backstory, why don't I give, I gave the listeners a really high level overview, but tell us who you are before we jump into your story of how you built, grew, and sold Doorstep Delivery. Uh, so it was an interesting journey. I uh, actually never thought that it was something that I would end up going into. I was building a real estate kind of uh, real estate was the direction I headed in after college. It was something I was really interested in. I started getting into that and had some moderate success and then joined a company where I had started having some some real success, which was uh, selling land and, and, and these things. But one of the things that happened when I was working for this company, it's called Florida Land Partners, living in Florida at the time, was I found we were stuck in the office. This is in the height of the real estate boom when things were just going absolutely nuts and you could just you know, throw a dart at a piece of real estate and you were going to make money. Uh, so our phones are ringing off the hook. We sold these huge pieces of land, but we couldn't leave the office for sometimes 12, 15 hours at a time. And so, you know, our, the secretary, our, our human resource, they'd be ordering food in and it was pizza or Chinese were our only two choices. And I'm like, there's yeah. gotta be something better. There has to be something. Um, and turns out there wasn't. And so I decided to go ahead and start up, um, this company. So the real estate market started to shift Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to start up a company called Doorstep Delivery, which is your favorite restaurants delivered to your doorstep where you could get pizza, or excuse me, not just pizza in Chinese, but you get the sushi, the Thai, your salads, whatever, whatever it is you wanted and that you're craving. And um, I figured, you know, this has got to catch on. It just makes sense. This was before Uber Eats and DoorDash and all these things. Um, and so I quit my job and everybody thought I was crazy because the real estate market had just started correcting. But our company was still like, wait, you can't quit. Like there's still some room here. And I was like, no, this is over. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for a new gig. And so that's what I did. And so I grabbed my best friend who at first was reluctant, who I worked with actually. And he's like, I don't know if there's enough money in this, but I convinced him and he came with me. He quit as well. Started up doorstep delivery around 2008, 2009. Started out of his bedroom, his guest bedroom. We were the driver. We were the chef. 
all these things, uh, yeah, not the chef, but the, you know, we did everything yeah. essentially, you know, the, the dispatchers taking the calls and it was like 95% phone orders at first, right? This is right when the iPhone came out and things mm-hmm. just started to shift and change. And we decided to take advantage of that technology. And so we quickly shifted over to try to push people to go online in order to use their phones or drivers now, instead of having to use Garmin or have us read over the phone, uh, you know, this is where you go, take a left here, take a right here, which didn't make any sense, you know, <laughs> to, to get to where they were going. They, get, they, 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 at first they started with the Garmin's, which were like 200, 250 bucks, which is a lot of money, yeah. you know, for a driver trying to, you know, to invest into then try to make money doing this. So the phones were the perfect solution. And so that technology allowed us to take it to the next level. We actually designed our own software. We weren't fi- happy with what was out there. Mm-hmm. We created our own thing. We partnered with two other guys and we just started, we bootstrapped it. We didn't grow. We didn't raise any money. We used our own money. We'd heard horror stories about the whole, you know, raising money and losing control and all this. So we just did it ourselves and we ended up growing and flash forward um, about eight years later, we did that. We'd had 19 branches that we grew into mainly a lot of them starting in Florida. So the main Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach, um, Jacksonville, these types of, of branches, Gainesville. And then we also started moving up to the southeast part of the country, like Atlanta and uh, North Carolina, uh, Nashville, these types of things. And we had some franchises and we also had corporate branches. It was about half and half. And so um, then another shift similar to the real estate thing was I we saw the writing on the wall. All of a sudden there's these billion plus dollar companies like Grubhub, DoorDash, Amazon at the time had a had a company um, coming at us, right? They're coming into yeah. our markets all of a sudden and they're essentially just saying, hey, we'll do it for free just to lose all, you know, they don't care if they lose money. They're just trying to gain market share. So they're going to our restaurants and they're poaching them and they're taking them and saying, hey, work with us as well. Our restaurants were dropping us, but they were also working with them. And it just made us nervous because we we're like, well, we can't compete with 0% commission, which is how we basically make our money. Right. We get a commission from the restaurant when we send them an order you know, we can't compete with that eventually, you know, and, and then the customers were getting free food and all this stuff too. So from these companies. So I, I actually made the decision. I said, this reminds me of the real estate bust that happened. Um, not, and not that this was me a bust, but that we, we either, we had to either raise money and be able to compete on their level or we needed to sell immediately. So we, we put a couple of feelers out to companies like Grubhub and, and some other companies and they, you know, they just kind of stepped on us and, and said, here, here's a quarter, you know, you can, yeah. you can have that and we'll, we'll take your company off your hands. And we're just like, no, you know, we've been building this thing. It's good. So we decided to go the other way and grow it and become a big enough sized company to, to get on the radar of some of these bigger companies and get a real offer. So that's what we did. So we partnered, I actually had made a contact with this gentleman named Arash out of Minneapolis. They own a company called Bite Squad. They were a similar similar sized company as as us, focusing on those tier two and three cities, which I I forgot to mention earlier. We don't go for the New Yorks, the LA's, the Chicago, it's the Orlando's, the Nashville's, right? The the Jacksonville's, those, those where the big boys weren't in yet. So we were able to get in firm, get a firm hold in there. And once, when the customer's using you and they're happy, then they develop the habit and there's no real reason to switch. Yeah. They may go and get that $5 coupon from the other company, but if they know your service is consistent and good, they'll tend to stick with you. So we had a really good solid customer base. They did as well. We joined forces with the, with the goal. And then we raised money 
with mm-hmm. the goal to basically sell in the next two to three years and just grow. And that's exactly what we did. And we started buying some smaller size companies. So we, we actually tri- uh, quadrupled our size in about a year and a half. And we got on the radar of a company called Waiter out of Louisiana, Waiter Holdings, mm-hmm. um, owned by Til- Tillman Bertitta, who's uh, many people know him, I believe. Yeah, the billion dollar buyer guy, right? On, yeah, on yeah. TV, and, that's how everybody uh, knows him now. <laughs> yeah, so, and then we, they actually went ahead and, and we became only the second company uh, on the NASDAQ, uh, second restaurant delivery service to trade on the NASDAQ. So at the time it was just Grubhub. So they bought us uh, for 331 million. And then we, and then the combined company of them and us um, became a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ. And we essentially, you know, we had a, we had a hold on our stock, so we couldn't sell. It was, it was a half cash, half deal stock for us. Yeah. Um, Anyway. And so, so that was it. And so, you know, I basically worked for them for a year, year and a half, kind of helping with the transition, helping bring, we're still growing at the time with Bite Squad and helping bring new acquisitions in and whatnot. And now my role is pretty limited um, other than just watching the stock kind of fluctuate. <laughs> Which right now is probably not what you want to be doing every day, right? <laughs> in, the, in the current environment. But That's exactly sure. right. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm trying to get in the habit of not looking at it at all, but it, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Yeah, I know. Well, Will, I love your story and, and why I love it is because and for those of you who are listening to the show and, and you're like, you know, you hear Will's story and you're like, how could I ever sell for 330 million? You started the same way that all of us do as entrepreneurs. You had an idea, right? You had a problem that you personally had. You found an idea of how to fix that problem. And then well, like most of us do, you started out, I think, and you, you said your partner's guest bedroom, right? Where it's like a, a guest bedroom, a garage, right? A, a second, like, you know, an office in the space uh, that's in the house, but it's, it's, you started small and you guys use a strategy, use multiple strategies like organic growth, franchising and acquisitions that we talk a lot about on the show to get to that level where you attracted, um, literally the billion dollar buyer, right? So let's, let's dive into a little bit of those growth strategies again. You know, you, you mentioned you had some franchises and then also you did some acquisitions. How were you able to use each of those tactics to fuel your growth and, and make it so it was a faster growth and not as, you know, we know organic growth can be, often be cheaper, but it takes time. So, you know, how did that influence the trajectory of the company? Hindsight's always twenty twenty, And at the time, you know, just going back to the, we, I knew it was a great idea. And I was like, I, we're going to grow this one way or another. And one thing I've learned in, in the different careers that I've had, and, and this being one of them in any business you do, you're going to fail. And then it's how you pivot. Right. And so we learned in the end that the franchise model was actually not the best model to go with um, for us. It's, mm-hmm. and that's not always the case, but we ended up having uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, we, we were growing the corporate branches and we said, well, in order for us to bring in money to continue to grow our own branches, it makes sense to franchise as long as we get, Hey, it makes sense. We get good owner operators that care about what they're doing. They can basically handle that whole market. We go out, we train them, we give them all the tools and all the, and everything. And then they do their thing. And then we get, you know, the revenue coming in but it didn't quite work out that way. People are, the franchisees were always unhappy, which I, I came to learn later is, is pretty par for the course. Um, we're not making enough money. The royalties are too high. We're not getting enough support. And I'm not saying all of their complaints were unfounded. You know, I mean, we were, we were flying by the seat of our pants and we were growing and, you know, we were doing the best we could to, 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 to accommodate them and give them the support. And um, it just, but it became, it became 
kind of like a babysitting job at some point. Like one of us was up, there's four of us partners and one of us is always dealing. With, oh, you know, you're dealing with him today. Oh, I'm dealing with him. And again, these aren't bad people, but this is business and, and it's things we learned. So if we could have redone it over, we would have probably gone the corporate branch, the corporate branch model where we had total control. We handpicked the person that we wanted to be there. We basically said, hey, we're going to set you up in this market. Like Jacksonville is a perfect example. He was a mm -hmm. former manager, GM of, okay. doorstep, of one of our doorsteps in Gainesville. And then we actually brought him in and said, hey, do you want to move to Jacksonville and start this branch? We did it. And he was fantastic. And he was very successful. Great, great. And I love how you bring that up because franchising is, um, it's, it's a, I'd say it's a in vogue uh, growth method right now, but it's not always correct for every business model. So then it sounds like you pivoted from there and you started pursuing what you talked about was this tier two and tier three markets through acquisition. So let's dive a little deeper into that again, kind of readdress what a tier two market or tier three market is for those that um, aren't, aren't aware. And then, you know, why did you decide to go through acquisition? What was, what was the fuel in that decision? Uh, absolutely. So the, the tier two and three markets are, you know, the, there's not, if you look in the dictionary, you're not going to have like a, it, it's just, it's kind of a, a standard term used by a lot of people in the industry that the food delivery industry, they understand well, and actually other industries as well, but it's, it's not your, your New York's, your LA's, your Chicago's, those big, huge metropolises. Uh, it's more of the, you know, this is, this is a market that's growing very fast. It's got a good population. It's got a good downtown business area and climate where a lot of people are together because corporate lunches was a big part of what we were doing. And so those businesses ordering those big, you know, for one, EA Sports was one of our, our early on uh, biggest clients. And we went from doing like $400 a day, you know, in order in total food sales towards the beginning. And then we got EA and they were doing 4,000 orders a day. Okay. Wow. So, you know, right. That, that was a huge game changer for us. So we wanted these types of environments where it was, there was the residential and, and people. And then there was also kind of more of a concentrated, but not so super concentrated like New York and LA and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then your next question, uh, what it was about what was the it? growth or acquisition? So then you guys started buying other businesses, right? Right. So that was, you know, it, it was a timing. It, it was a timing thing. We knew that our, our, our goal was to sell in two to three years. And if we tried to organically do it, we knew from experience how long it took. It took about a year or two to get a market up and running. Mm -hmm. right? Versus here's a market that's already up and running. They've gone through all the blood, sweat and tears to get there. You know, they're on a lot of these were on their third to fifth years and they've grown just enough in their tier two, tier three markets where they're doing some good revenue. And we know that if we come in and inject our system, that they're going to do that much better. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And it's a strategy we talk a lot about on this show. I mean, it's not, again, it's not right for every company, right? But if you want to grow very quickly um, in an established market, it's, it's a perfect strategy. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, the exit now and, and more, and, and this is more of like the work you're doing now, but more of how it affected you as an owner, you, you know, personally, what advice would you give to someone that's pursuing selling their business? Um, and we talk a lot about on the show that it's not just about the business transaction. It's not a financial transaction. It affects your whole life, right? So what, what kind of advice would you give business owners that are pursuing that exit from your personal experience of going through that process? Great question. So again, you know, all we can do is, is learn my, you know, everybody's has different experience. I've talked to business owners that get depressed after 
um, because, you know, it's like this was their life and all of a sudden it's being taken away from them. I've talked to ones that are accept- So everybody's different. My particular experience was it was like a huge anchor being lifted off my back. I'd gotten to the stage, you know, where I was just, I mentally kind of checked out on the business. Like I saw the writing on the wall. I knew that it was only a matter of time before we got gobbled up by these big guys and we were going to be worthless, you know? So I said, got to act now, got to move, got to do something, got to exit. You know, what have we been working nine years for if we're not going to sell this thing? Um, and so my personal experience was I was very much excited and looking forward to the exit and basically doing anything I can to make sure that it happened. And, you know, my advice to, to other people would just be, you know, if, if you're running a business and you're still super passionate into it, the reason you started it, then, you know, unless you, you think it's a fantastic time or opportunity to, to, to exit, I would say keep doing it and keep growing and let your passion continue to build it. But if you get to the point where you're ready mentally to check out and do something else, don't try to keep it going because you're going to end up doing yourself a disservice. It's going to feel like that anchor. Like I had on my back, like it got to the end where I was just like, okay, I'm ready to release this thing. My mind was already halfway in my next venture and I was ready to, to move on to that. And so it was just like, okay, how do we get this done? And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat and to exit. And the way we did it was, was to partner, as we said, with, with somebody that was similar size and grow to get on the radar of somebody that we knew would want to purchase us. Right. Right. And I think that's a good, a good point you brought up too, is that, and I, I talk a lot about this to our, our clients is that selling is not usually a financial decision. It's usually a personal one, like whether you're still passionate about the business or not. Um, because it's very hard to stay engaged in a company when, when you're really ready to move on to the next thing. Um, I really appreciate you telling our story, Will. I think that's a great pivot um, to talk about what you're doing next, um, because I think that's also very valuable to our listeners and business owners. So tell us a little bit about more momentum um, and the work that you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. So, right, just as we were saying, so you got that the one thing I've learned with any business you're doing, you got to be into it. Like when real estate, I was really into it. And then I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, ah, this is, I'm not, this isn't going to end well. And then, you know, same with doorstep delivery for, for seven, eight years. It was like everything. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to move on to something new. Any business you do, you've got to have that, that, that crazy passion for it, where you wake up and you're like, okay, what's happened today? How am I going to grow it? And when that goes away, it's danger zone. So that ended up, I got that for this new venture, I'm doing more momentum, which is essentially taking everything that I've learned over the course of my lifetime. I had a, a rough childhood and long story short is by the time I got to college, I was your typical, uh, what I call fixed victim, sure that the life, life was out to get me. There's nothing I can do about it. My brain was broken and I was a loser. And I was basically like, I was suicidal. Um, and I was serendipitously introduced to this book called how to win friends and influence people by Dale mm-hmm. Carnegie, which is still one of my favorites of all yeah. time <laughs> holds up to this day. Right. It's amazing. You read it. It was written in the forties. I think, yep. um, read it now. It, it holds up just the same. And, and that's when I realized there's these universal principles out there. We don't need to like reinvent the wheel here, people. It's like, let's live our life and develop habits based on what we know is good for us, healthy. And so I've kind of spent these last, my, my journey over these last many years, figuring out what it is that makes me happy and how to get there. And in doing so, I was serendipitously, unknowingly developing what I now call your five cores. Um, and I was nurturing them and balancing them. 
And, and your five cores are your mindset, which is essentially, as I said, I was in your typical fixed victim, but you want to become a growth owner. You want to say, okay, I know I have everything within me to kick ass, take names. And it's only a matter of time before I get there. And uh, basically fear, I'm going to give fear the finger. And no matter what obstacles get in my way, I'm going to figure out a workaround. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to fail forward. And that's the, the attitude and mindset perception that you have to have. Um, and then your career and your finances, which is, it's not just how much money am I making? Because when I exited my business, it became crystal clear to me that what I had suspected all along was exactly right. It felt amazing. I'm not going to lie for about 10 minutes, but then it was like, okay, now what? Right. Yep. And I think anybody that's ever had a big successful win, like a financial win like that feels the same way. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, well, that's gone. I need to get it back. And then they just keep chasing more and more, but you're never actually going to get it. And to me, you got to be living the full five core life. And so that's part of it. And so it's, what are you doing to make a living? How are you giving back? Are you getting up every day and enjoying what you're doing? Are you passionate? Are you loving? I saw my dog walk by. Yeah. Yeah. I love my dog uh, somewhere around here. <laughs> right. So, you know, are you, are you, are you, are you, you know, using your passions, your purpose and, and knowing what that is and, and basically moving forward on that every day. And then how are you incrementally growing that money you're making? So many people misunderstand the law of compounding or don't even know what the law of compounding is, how to use it, how to make your money work for you instead of against you. One of my favorite books, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the, pa yeah. the Pig, the Passive Income Generator. It's all about getting your money working for you, whether you're, you're actively working for it or not, you're sleeping, right? And then your next core is your relationships. Obviously, very important. We are mm -hmm. creatures of we need we need this. We don't have this. We get in trouble. Yet our society is moving more away, especially now with COVID and stuff, away from that. And right. so it's important to maintain those, both um, with your friends and your family, with your colleagues and acquaintances, and with your significant other if you have one. Uh, then your next is your physical health, which is fairly obvious, right? It's your your eating, your your working out, your exercise, just getting moving. All of this involves movement, whether it's your brain or your body. It's continually building momentum, continually moving, and you get stagnant. And you know, if you're not moving, you're dying, I like to say, right? So, so with your body, it's the same thing. And you feel great. You have, you have more energy, stamina to, to propel you through life. You're going to increase your longevity. Um, and all these things I'm talking about, there's more than one way to skin the cat on all of them. So for instance, you know, I talk about these universal principles, the universal principle. Yes. Being, staying physical and doing stuff is good for you. You're going to feel better. You're going to increase your endorphins. You're going to live longer, all these things, but the way you do it is unique to everybody. And so I, my system I have, I encourage people and I show them how to essentially customize it to yourself. So for me, for instance, basketball is something that I really enjoy lifting weights um, it doesn't feel like exercise when I'm on the basketball court. I feel like it, it's gamified. And then I'm always trying to gamify things, cheat the hack the system and say, how can I make this fun in my mind? So I recommend that to everybody, right? Don't just go to the gym for the sake of going to the gym because you're like, Oh, that's what people do. That's what I should, you know, it's figure out what you, my wife likes to run. She likes to swim. She likes to um, go to these, these, these cardio classes and stuff to her. That's exciting. That's fun. She looks forward to them. She hates playing basketball. She, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's yep. figure out what that is to you and then develop that into a schedule and then make that into a habit, which all this, all this is basically encompassed by habits. So in each of these core areas, you want to make sure that you're stopping what I call your failure habits and you're replacing them with what I call success habits. So then your next uh, and final fifth and final core is your emotional health and you're giving back. So 
Are you running around like a chicken with your head cut off, just checking to do's off? Or are you stopping, stepping back from 10,000 foot view, enjoying, enjoying smelling the roses, right? And saying, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. These are the things I love to do, whether it's playing golf, your hobbies, whatever they are, art, you know, being creative, incorporating these types of, of soul filling things into your life versus just getting caught up with the, a lot of us, you know, the career and the finance or, or, or just working out, you know, that's why it's important. It's just, it's, it's, you got to balance it all. Right. And then the giving back side is what's the legacy you're leaving when, when you, when you exit this earth and your, your eyes close for the final time, what is it that the earth is going to say about you back? Is it going to say, thank God that guy's gone because <laughs> he just sucked the energy and soul out of me every second he was awake or that guy was awesome. He, he, he did, he, he, he helped me and the people around me uh, on my planet to, to be better, bigger, faster, stronger. And so that is my ultimate mission is helping people become the best version of themselves to in turn pay it forward to help the world become the best version of itself. That's amazing. And, and I love the concept and I love um, the mission that you're on, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs, because I see a lot of us, myself included, get stuck in that career in finance core, right? Very and easy. Very yeah, easy. very easy. And especially when we're in building growth and exit phase, it's all about the business. That's all we're doing. And everything gets out gets put on hold until when, right? But, um, and that until when gets drug out a lot. Um, like, you know, until we get to this level, like you talked about, and then then there's more. That's exactly in- right. Yeah. We, we think there's, you know, we convince ourselves there's this like pina colada waiting for us on this beach and that we're just going to sacrifice and, and do this stuff now, but then, then I'll have time for all that later. No, you got to enjoy the journey and you got to, if you're going to be your happiest and most successful success is not just money, even though that's kind of what it's, it's, it's associated with in our society, right? It's, it's, it's all these five fours. It's your relationships. It's your physical health. It's your emotional health. It's your mindset, how you see the world, your perception, your attitude. That's real success. When you can get those all working for you instead of against you. Well, I think we'll leave it there. And that's a great way to end our conversation together. But, you know, I I respect what you've done. I love what you're doing now. And I hope our listeners took a lot out of this conversation that they can apply to both their business and their life. But Will, if they want to learn more about you or about the five cores and how to get involved with more momentum, how can they reach you? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, they can go to more momentum, M O O R E like my last name, momentum.com. And there's a free little life evaluator quiz to see where you currently stand in each of these five core areas. We were just talking about it. It only takes a couple minutes. So you can kind of see where you stand and, and automatically figure out, okay, what do I need to focus on? And then feel free to reach out to me and I have a system and I can help you with that. Um, and then, um, also our, our, Instagram page at five core life, not spelled out five, but with an actual five core key C O R E L I F E um, is our Instagram page. And we welcome anybody and all to come join us. And, and every day we're talking about, we're interviewing different people, just like you're doing here, great people and inspiring people that are doing great things, living the five core life and sharing great stories around the world and trying to build that positive momentum for everybody. Awesome. And we'll drop that into the show notes for everyone as well. Will, thank you so much for joining the deal board and we hope to have you back on again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. This is fabulous. And I'm so sorry about the background noise. Oh, it's It's COVID life, right? All right. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. 
Sold. Welcome back, everybody. On the deal board today, we have Gary Goldwasser with us. He's a senior broker at the Transworld office in Rocky Mountain, which is Denver, Colorado. He's been on the show before, but Gary, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah. So today you're sharing a deal of the week with us in the landscaping industry. So I'll let you tell us a little bit about the business first. Yeah. So this is a large uh, landscape slash nursery um, in the Denver metro area. It was doing about, uh, before COVID, it was did last year, it was doing about $8.9 million in revenue. Um, very large company, well known, kind of in the south part of the Denver metro area. Yeah. So how did you um, become engaged with them? Yeah. So interesting enough, uh, I had just moved and I was looking for landscapers. And at the time, this is kind of a crazy story, but at the time um, he came over and was looking at my yard and getting, putting the bid together. And I was on the phone with a, uh, another uh, potential buyer to sell another landscape company and one thing led to another. He overheard my conversation. One thing led to another. And the next thing you know, he's like, I'd like to sell my business someday. Can we talk about that at some point? And that's how it all started. Yeah, I love the story. It's it's all about this industry. It's all about relationships and connections, which actually kind of segues us nicely into who, who ended up buying the business from you? Well, um, it is about building relationships, and uh, I really pride myself on um, really digging into getting to know buyers and have a hot buyer list of buyers that, that I work with from time to time. This particular buyer, I've sold um, three businesses uh, to so far, and um, just always have him kind of in my back pocket. And one of the you know the great things about Transworld is our ability to have these buyers and. Um, so I, I knew that he liked the landscape industry. And uh, so he was my first call and um, he was all excited about taking a tour and he was ready to do an offer back in the spring, but because mm-hmm. of, it's hard to sell a landscape business in the spring because that's when they're busy. We had to mm-hmm. wait till the season slowed down. Okay. Well, that's good. So how did the deal come together? How did you guys structure it? Did you use any types of financing or anything like that? So um, he ra- the buyer raised all the capital. Um, it's kind of a more of a private uh, equity firm. So they raised all the capital and um, there was three parts of it. So there's where it was money up front, a good, a good chunk of money up front. Um, the buyer, uh, the seller decided to keep eight, 20% equity in the business, which was really a nice feature that the sellers were, the sellers liked it because that gave them skin in the game. But the the buyers are going to plan on taking this thing from you know eight and a half million to twenty to twenty five million, so they'll get incremental um, dividends along the way up, and then they have the they have the option to sell at any time both sides. So that was kind of after twelve months, each each the buyer and the seller have the ability to to buy each other out. Mm-hmm. And then we had, because of COVID, it was going to be just a seller note for uh, about 10% of the business. But because of COVID, it was hard to, this business grew so much in this last year mm-hmm. that the buyers needed a little protection. No, it wasn't just a COVID fluke. And so we turned that seller note into a seller earnout. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're lower numbers to hit, which I think the seller is going to hit. 
And um, the seller understood. He said, look, I, uh, most, most landscape businesses grew about 25 to 30%. They grew, you know, almost 60%. Wow. So, wow. Well, we've seen that a lot in COVID to solve on both sides, like fast growing companies and companies not doing well is that earnout component really reduces the buyer risk. So it's, yeah, it's, it could be a risk for a seller, but it's all about structuring the right deal, which it sounds like you did for, for this seller. Um, so let's talk a little bit about numbers. Um, how much was the SDE or EBITDA in the business and what was the uh, total deal value at the end? So the SDE was about $5 million. And the total deal value actually went, if, if they hit all the bogeys, the, the, they get their earn out and they're 20%, it was about $18.3 million was the whole transaction. Wow. Well, good day for the sellers. Good day yeah. for the buyers. It sounds like it sounds like they acquired a really great company awesome. um, and a good day for you, Gary, too. We always love having you on the show and hearing your stories. You're such a, a great broker and really focused on that relationship. If someone wants to contact you to work with you in the future, how can they reach you? Uh, thank you. Yeah, they can reach me at Gary at tworlddenver.com or at 303-748-7420. Awesome. And we'll drop that into the show notes as well for all you listeners. Gary, thank you so much for having, uh, for coming back on the show. We look forward to having you soon. Always good, Jessica. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a very special guest. We have an incredible entrepreneur, Jennifer Diaz, and she's got a great story. And I just wanted, to, wanted her to come on and tell her story. So, Jennifer, welcome. Thank you for being a great Transworld customer. But let's start at the beginning. How did you get into business? Well, thank you. Um, starting with uh, anything, thank you for bringing me on and actually um, having some interest in the story. Um, what first of all brought me to the business? Um, well, let's start from me entering into the business world. Um, we, I started as a, with a hair salon. Uh, I got into the business of uh, building a hair salon from uh, the beginning up. Wow. Uh, we were located in Coconut Creek. Um, we built the hair salon for about two years. Um, after that, I decided to more or less give it a try, uh, put the business for sale. Um, this was something that... I brought my mother along with me because she was more or less uh, the person that knew the insides of the business. And I was the one to kind of um, try to explore to see the business side, the business aspect of it. Right. So um, we came to a conclusion to try to sell it, put it for a trial. I brought Transworld. Uh, Carol came along the way. Um, great experience put it for sale sold it in a few months um that was my first business that i got into how old were you After, uh, i was 19 <laughs> that's incredible yeah so after we built it, we built the reputation, we built the girls, um, we built it as a whole, we sold it. Um, I decided to, well, now I ended up in, what am I going to do with the profits? Right. Um, so I more or less, it took me maybe about two months to kind of figure out what route I was going to take because 
uh, definitely wasn't going to spend all the profits on just anything. So I was already trying more or less to guide myself on what kind of business I wanted to get into. Um, one of the big facts, I was in medical school throughout the whole way. Um, so I was looking into something that I had family members backing me up or kind of supervise right. my business as it was running by itself. Um, with my continuation of my education at the same time. So I came into the automobile business, which um, a little bit of background on that. Um, my brother, Jonathan, he was already in the business. And this comes from back home. My father, his family members have are in this business back at home. Where's so home? I decided you? Uruguay. Yeah, Uruguay. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to um, kind of get in the business, give it a try. Um, we started up with no contracts, no customers list, anything. So I basically started all over again, just like the hair salon. Right. So uh, it, was, the- uh, it was, it uh, was, the, the big, the clear everybody, it was an auto body business, right? Auto body, correct. Collision. It was a collision shop. Right. So how did, how did you know to even, I mean, how did you learn about the collision business? Well, um, I really didn't know. My mentality was more in the investment and trying to get into something that a family member already had a knowledge into. So obviously it's something, it was a risk because it was, I was getting into a business that I didn't know absolutely anything about. Right. But I had the backup from a family member that he had already ran two shops. So I was like, obviously, everybody gets into real estate. Let me give it a try in the auto collision shop. I brought this uh, to his attention. He was already kind of tired of managing everybody else's shop. So I told him if he will come along, if uh, an opportunity showed up for him to join me, and he said, most definitely, if I did it for somebody else, why wouldn't I um, jump along and, and and get this journey going? Right. So that's when I started uh, looking for real estate properties. I ended up finding where I was located. And um, yeah, on, I mean, after all, I got into this real estate property. And it was with, completely um, empty, right? This facility was completely un- empty, closed for about a year. Wow. There was no business, no traffic, nothing. We, I picked it up from zero. So we started building our reputation little by little. Took me a few years. Um, How did you get some I, of your bigger contracts? Well, I was, I decided to get more involved in growing the business. And at the same time, I had the backup of Jonathan managing the business. So I was more focused on bringing in work. He was more focused on managing the work in the house to get it out. Wow. So I started building my network, getting to know adjusters, appraisers, uh, managers, CEOs of, of big companies. Um, I had a few deals uh, using my facility as drive-through. Um, that's what they call it. Drive-through is their appraisers will come into my facility, attend their customers, and offer the body shop. Uh, at the selective shop to see if they wanted to leave the car here. Um, 
little by little, I built my reputation. I built my network. So it became a constant flow until uh, two years ago, we I got presented an opportunity of working with the rental car company. It was a completely different scenario, uh, a completely way of working. Um, this also came throughout my reputation and customers feedback. Um, I got presented the offer of uh, kind of using my shop and having me as one of their top vendors. And I put them on a trial as well as they put me in a trial. And we eventually, well, I eventually signed the contract with them and I became one of the vendors for Enterprise, Alamo, and National. Wow. Incredible. And how old are you at this time? 28. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, uh, more or less, we built that reputation. We took over a lot of branches, a lot of facilities. And I was, throughout this whole journey, I was still in which I am still in the medical field. That's my passion, what I love and why I will eventually finish. Um, I decided to sell the business as in all my contracts, my real estate, because I'm now in January, I need to finish up my residency for my medical degree. Wow. And what kind of metal degree? So, what do you want to be when you... Uh, radiology. Radiology. Amazing. And yeah. so you're going... So you built this multi-million dollar business and you're being very, you're being very humble. It was an incredible business. You got all those rent-a-car companies. Um, you land those companies and you're going to medical school at night or during the day? Well, I was doing uh, five to one. So five in the morning to one. But, um, I mean, it became very exhausting. So well, this is a business that you really have to, I love it. It's great. I learned the ins and outs, but it's a business the way I, I mean, I might not be so ex experienced in any, on a lot of things, but the way I like to run my businesses for the past two, um, businesses, I like to be there a hundred percent. Right. And with my type of career, I wasn't going to give it my all. Right. And I, I mean, the way I work, I like to have control of majority of everything that's going around. And I found myself that I wasn't going to have a hundred percent control with what's going on here. So, I mean, medical residency is something that I'm mandatory to work for them. So I wasn't able to work here and, I took it upon myself to do this decision to uh, put it for sale and and not wait until the last minute. Because at the end of the day, my main goal and my eyes are always or have been always in, in my medical career. That's great. Great story. And so you hired Transworld again to sell it for you. Uh, yes. So I contacted Carl. Obviously, it was a great experience that he gave me. I contacted Carol. Uh, he brought uh, Randy aboard. Randy, great person. I was extremely happy uh, that we built a great team. Um, everything came out phenomenal. They worked night and day, weekends, and, and, and I saw it all. So, yeah. I mean, I'm very, extremely happy on, on bringing them aboard. And I didn't even think twice 
to to pick anybody else. I I didn't shop around. I knew that transfer was my best option. What I wanted, where my heart was leading me to. So I went ahead and and put the business on Transfer Ten, and I mean they made it happen. Well, that's it's a great story, and we really appreciate your business. And you know, along the way, you you bought the real estate too. You bought the building you were in as well. Yes. Yeah, so I had the opportunity. Uh, when I first did my first contract here, I kind of did a lease to own because I wanted, I mean, I was getting into a business that was like out of business. So I wanted to more or less have those two years of make and break of a business aspect. So my contract was the two years of lease with the option of buy at the end. So I kind of had the opportunity to go ahead and buy it. So I went ahead and bought the real estate. So yes, I was part, I was owner a hundred percent of my whole real estate. Wow. What a great story. And, and now you're, you, you've taken a, a fellowship or you're, uh, do you got your residency all set up? Uh, yes, I actually have, uh, two applications that I sent out. I recently last week got a response back from Boston. So hopefully I get to fly out and have a face-to-face interview and, uh, we'll see, uh, trying to decide where to go by January. Where would I, the, the, the facility that I'm going to give my, my residency years to. Wow. That's great. And, uh, I, I have a funny feeling that this won't be the last time you're going to be an entrepreneur might be in the medical <laughs> business, but I think you're going to do it again. Hey, who knows? Might be, I'm not afraid. <laughs> well, you're not afraid. And I think that's an incredible story. So I, I, I want to leave you with that. I want to leave with this. Um, you, you, you became an entrepreneur as a young woman. Uh, you worked your way through medical school. You built a multi-million dollar business. First you did the uh, hair salon and then this multi-million dollar business in the collision business. What, I mean, what advice would you give young girls, uh, or young women coming out of college? you know, why, why should they consider being an entrepreneur or how to do it? Follow your dreams. Follow your heart. I never had anybody to teach me um, how to go along the way or to be an entrepreneur. This just came from me for my drive, my 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 intentions of, of being more and not just settle for less. That's it. So I follow my dreams. I follow my heart. I look back and I saw that my family, you know, they were always stuck in that eight to five and, and struggling throughout the years. And, and I decided to take it upon myself and, and I went ahead and, and built oh, all my, my facilities and, and just never be afraid of what to do. That's one thing that my mom always told me, if you want to do it, just go ahead and do it. Whatever happens is because it needed to happen. So that's an incredible, I mean, sometimes I get feedback. of, so, Oh my God, you're, you're, that's insane. How are you going to get into a business without knowing? But hey, sometimes it's not so perfect. It's not a perfect world. So you have to go get it yourself and, and figure out. We're not born with, with knowing everything. We build ourselves to know what we're getting ourselves into. I wasn't born being a doctor. So it's a passion that I found within myself and something that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting it. Wow. And then going for it. So Congratulations. Whatever 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 someone decides to do, it has to be from the heart, not 
what the money's going to get you or how far you're going to get right. as far as, 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 as the capital goes, you know? Right. Well, again, a great story. Congratulations. Uh, obviously, you're an extremely hard worker. And uh, and you, you're a success already, but uh, you're entering a new world in the medical world. So uh, good luck to you. And thank you again for being a two-time uh, Transworld customer. We, we really appreciate it. Well, maybe I'll see you guys again. But thank you so much for um, having this interest in my story. Thank and, you. And hopefully we have a lot of people that can listen and, and just not be afraid on what their dreams and just take the lead and, and it's great and yep. make the best out of it yep that's appreciate your time thank you for thank the call thank you jennifer and and you it was a great team Transworld. <laughs> uh, no doubt it, it was a fantastic uh, rodeo both both times that's awesome thank you so much thank you family and uh i'll hopefully see you soon we'll do thank you so much you have a good one Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Welcome back, everybody. And for our Listing of the Week this week, we have business broker Mike Hall joining us from Transworld Business Advisors in Raleigh. Mike, welcome back to the show. Jessica, it's great to be with you again. Well, tell us, I know you have a very good listing that's a dry cleaner. So tell us a little bit about the listing and the business for sale. Yes. So this dry cleaners um, has really done a great business here um, in the uh, Raleigh-Cary area. Um, This family's been doing it for a number of years and they've built up a very good reputation. Um, The clientele are very pleased with the work that they've done. And so that's gone a long way into really setting up the next owner with a, a good opportunity. Wow. Well, it sounds like a good business. Dry cleaning, always a great industry to be in, very recession resistant. Tell us a little bit about the numbers. What's the asking price and what's the SDE? Right. So our asking price is $355,000 and the seller's discretionary earnings is about $168,000. Great. Well, right, just right above two times, right, in market, like we always talk about. Mike, it sounds like a great opportunity for a buyer. How would they get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Yep. If they were interested in uh, getting more information, they could give me a call at 919-424-1927 or my email is mhall at tworld.com. Amazing. And we'll drop that in, that contact information into the show notes too for the listeners. Mike, it was great having you back on the show and we look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks, Jessica. You guys take care. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.